0: The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracetysd.com.
1: I'm going to read John 8, 31 through 38. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed Him, If you abide in My word, you are truly My disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered Him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word uh, finds no place in you. I speak of what I've of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. Pray for us real quick. Um, father God, uh, thank you for your word and for just providing your word for us, that we can just sit here and listen to it and hear the truth, God. Um, Holy Spirit, I pray that as Randall speaks, that you speak through him, Lord, and that your word just speaks truth into our lives and that we see the freedom that you have given through, to us through it and through you and your son, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I think so. This is right there.
0: Good. All right. Well, good morning. Uh, if you're new to Grace City, welcome. And uh, my name is Randall. I'm uh, one of the pastors, along with Billy, here at Grace City. And uh, this morning, we're going to be continuing in our series called Simply Jesus. And we've been in this series uh, for about a month, uh, talking about Jesus and, and who He is. And and really from the beginning of Grace City, we started in the book of John. And so we've been going through Jesus' life, talking about uh, who He is and what, what He's done. And uh, the reason we, we, we do this is because uh, we are a gospel-centered church. Uh, and What that means is we are about Jesus, and, and we believe that Jesus is the focus, and uh, the Bible is not... Uh, primarily about us or, or our um, lives, but about who God is. And so we come to, to the Bible learning more about Jesus and who he is, and then through that, uh, we find out more about ourselves. And uh, the text for today is John chapter 8, verses 31 through 38. Now, the message that we see Jesus talking about here is the freedom that he offers. And so we're talking about the freedom uh, today that that Jesus gives. Look at uh, verse 31 and 32. Uh, Jesus makes this amazing claim. He says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, for many of us, we've probably heard that if we've been around church, like the truth will set you free. It didn't originate anywhere else. It originated with Jesus, right? And So Jesus says the truth will set you free. And um, D.A. Carson says this. He says, Jesus now lays down exactly what it is that separates spurious faith from true faith. Fickle disciples from genuine disciples. And so there's some people here in this verse that had said, yes, I believe in Jesus. But Jesus says, do you really believe in me? And so he says, okay, I'm going to take you aside real quick, and I'm going to tell you what this looks like. It's going to be you following me, not just saying you know about me or know my miracles, but following me. And what happens when you follow me, the truth is going to set you free. Now, their response is interesting because what they say is this. They say, free? What are you talking about, Jesus? We're already free. Free? Jesus, you don't know what you're talking about, and we don't need what you have to offer. Um, Now, when Jesus says this, do you hear the faint echo of your voice and my voice in that response? Right, like, Jesus, you're telling me that I'm not free? I live in a free country. I can do whatever I want. I am a free person. I'm my own person. I can do what I please what Jesus is asking us today is not whether you live in a free country or I live in a free country. What he's asking is, are you living a free life? Are you free? In 2013, the Huffington Post wrote an article called uh, Millennials Are More Stressed Out than, other, uh, than Older Generations. And the author of this article is Tyler Kincaid. And here's what he wrote. He wrote, Half of all millennials say their stress keeps them awake at night, according to a recent Stress in America survey from the American Psychological Association. In a 10-point scale, Americans ages 18 to 33 reported an average stress level of 5.4 compared to the national average of 4.9, which is still pretty stressed out, and 52% said stress made it hard for them to sleep at night in the past month. The study found that 39% of millennials said their stress level increased in the past year, a higher rate than older generations. Young Americans are more likely to experience irritability or anger due to stress than older people, and more millennials reported being diagnosed with anxiety or depression than their elders, the survey found. This doesn't sound like freedom to me. It sounds like we are enslaved to anxiety, depression, stress. This is what is having to go to work on Monday morning to a job that you dread, checking your bank account and finding that it's not enough, again, living under a mountain of school loans and debt. Feeling like you don't fit in. Wondering how you're going to make it tomorrow. See, we might say that we're not enslaved to anything. But what Jesus tells us is that we are slave to something that's not on the surface, but much deeper than that. He's talking about not a freedom that's political, as great as that is, or theoretical, but a spiritual freedom that will allow you to rest your head at night and move forward in life no matter what you're going through, no matter what difficulty you have to face. If you were honest and I was honest, what is it that controls us? Is it the finances, the school loans, the debt? Is it approval, social media, putting ourselves out there, family or friends' opinions, and saying, I'm controlled by this? This fear of what they think? Is it work? Is it overwork and saying, I've got to make it? I've got to be successful? You're so stressed out every day when you walk in to the office. See, many of us are controlled and even paralyzed by the fear of tomorrow. We feel like we are prisoners and can't get out. That's the type of freedom that Jesus he says, I want you to experience where you don't, when you're not controlled by those things. There's a book called Working by a guy named Studs Turkle. You're like, is that a real name? Yes, <laughs> it's, it's real. And in the book, he interviewed people and talked about what it's like to work in America. Now, this book was written in the 70s, but I think it's very applicable to us today. Here's what he says in the introduction. This is what Turkle says. He says, This book, being about work, is by its nature about violence to the spirit as well as to the body. It is about ulcers as well as accidents, about nervous breakdowns as well as kicking the dog around. It is above all about daily humiliations. To survive the day is triumph enough for the walking wounded among the great many of us so yes we live in a free country Sa- slavery has been abolished but there is a daily struggle that we all face to be free and if you allow work or anything else to control you it will rule over you and enslave you to the point where you're spiraling out of control And so how does Jesus free us from that type of life? There's a theme that runs throughout the Bible that teaches that freedom is not found in ruling over our lives, saying, I'm in control of my life, but instead handing over our life, handing it over to God. God. He says, the freedom that you you want, the freedom that you're going to experience is, is when you lay it all out for me and say, I'm going to follow you, God. I'm not just going to talk about being a Christian. I'm not just going to say, yeah, Jesus, I'm with you. But he was looking, when he said that in verses 31 and 32, he was looking for real followers. He said, trust me, lay your life down. And what you're going to find is a freedom that you never thought possible. See, laying down our lives, surrendering our lives to God goes against the rhythms of our world and the nature of humanity. You say, well, why? Well, from the beginning in the garden, what we see is that Adam and Eve made a decision that we all would have made, and it's this. We wanted me at the center. We We thought that freedom was freedom from God, and, and, and able to make our own decisions, but really it was the thing that enslaved us. See, in the garden, we wanted control of our lives and our surroundings. Like, I've got control of this. See, but the garden is very much like our daily lives, isn't it? At home or wherever, at work, like, I've got to control this. And also, we, from the beginning, wanted the credit. We didn't want God to receive the credit. We want to receive the glory and the credit for ourselves, personal recognition. Look at me. And in the process, we become prisoners to what Jesus says is sin. Sin. Um, There's a book written by C.S. Lewis. It's called The Great Divorce. And in The Great Divorce, he's talking about uh, people that are in hell. And so he's talking about the great divorce is like the, the d- divide between heaven and earth and, uh, and hell. And he, he talks about, this is a really short bit in the book, but he talks about um, somebody who saw Napoleon uh, Bonaparte in hell. And this is the way he described it. He says that Napoleon was so far out by himself that people had, like the two people that went to go find him like had to travel a long time to, to find him, and what they did is they found him in this huge, lavish house by himself, pacing back and forth, talking about whose fault it was that he was there. No, it's their fault, no, it's their fault, no this person, no that person. And what they saw and what this depicted was a person who was so wrapped up in themselves. See that, that that's That's what Jesus is trying to free us from. We think that freedom is independence, but in God's kingdom, it's complete dependence. Complete dependence on God because the way that it was made from the garden was that you and I were made to live in complete dependence on God. Now, it goes against our pride now, but the way that you and I were designed was to be dependent on God, was to follow him, was to trust him. So that's why we're so stressed out. That's why we're imprisoned by all of these thoughts and these fears. And so, will you choose your definition of freedom? It's all about me. Or Jesus' definition of freedom, where it's all about him. It's all about him. Because that's the life he's calling us to when he talks about it in verses 31 and 32 Come follow me. Come under my submission, or come under my authority, and you're gonna find a freedom that you never thought possible. And so the setting is this: Jesus uh, was, was talking to um, the Jews who had believed in him. Now, this is the picture. There, there were those who saw Jesus' miracles and they believed. They're like, Yeah, I like the miracles, and so I'm gonna believe in him. And they also um there were those who shown uh, some sign of belief, and so he's like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna really invest in these people. I'm gonna talk to them real quick, right? And so he's looking for, for real faith. And then he points to them uh, the three ways towards freedom. And so he talks about three ways towards freedom in this text today. I'm gonna give you all three up front and discuss them, and, and we'll work through it together. And so I'll give you all three. The first one is this. The first way toward freedom is... Understand our personal state. The second is experience the security. And the third is receive the cost. Understand our present state. Experience the security. Receive the cost. Um, The first one, understand our present state. Now, this is verses 33 and 34. Uh, Jesus points out the present state of the people he's talking to and that they were slaves. They were slaves to sin. Uh, now, this isn't a popular message, right? Uh, Jesus says this in verse 34. Look, at verse 34, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Uh, let's be honest. Sin is a lost word in our culture, and many of us have pushed it to the side. Uh, Jesus understands that there is a deep evil in this world, in our lives, and really it can only be defined as sin. I've said this before, but, you know, we would say, well, I'm, a good, I'm not that bad of a person. I'm a pretty good person. But uh, if I were to say, okay, well, let's see. Who would like to volunteer uh, for all of us to watch the last week of our lives and, you know, all of our thoughts, all of our actions, will be up on the big screen for everybody to see, and then we'll be able to judge at the end who's a really good person. Like, I I don't think we would find too many volunteers. I would not volunteer for that. I'm a pastor, right? And So you're like, the pastor won't even volunteer for it because he knows, but it's real, right? Like, there there is something in in us, in this world, that's, that's evil. The Bible says it's sin. See, we need a biblical uh, theology or belief system of, like, what is sin? And so Augustine, uh, one of the early church fathers said this. He says, sin is looking for the right thing in the wrong place. Looking for the right thing in the wrong place. Right, like, you, you want acceptance in your life. That's a, that's a good thing. But what are you willing to give up? to receive that acceptance. What are you willing to do to get that acceptance? And, and is that in line with what God would desire for your life? Right? It wasn't a bad thing that you want acceptance, but it's in the way that we go after it. And so sin is a, is a real thing. And, and Jesus says that we are slaves to sin. Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. So that's where we all start. And in this text, uh, we see that what, what sin does to you and to, to me and to, to them. It, there are three things that we see. The first one is this. Sin um, gave them a false confidence. Sin gave them a false confidence. Um, so what, they, what their response to Jesus was like, hold on, you're, you're telling us that we need freedom? Like, we are offspring of Abraham. Now, during that time, if you were to throw around the name Abraham, people are like, whoa, Abraham. Like, that's, that's the father of our faith. Like, we are offspring of Abraham. Like, we're in the lineage of Abraham. And they took pride in being the offspring of Abraham. But all through the scriptures, what we see is that God was saying, like, don't take pride in being the offspring of Abraham. Take pride in me. Take pride in who I am. See, what they were doing was they were taking pride in Man, more than God and what it did was it gave them this false confidence see this is about having a God confidence not a self confidence or a man made confidence I'm confident in God and what they were doing was they were confident in themselves and Augustine again says pride is the beginning of sin you want to know the track towards sin it's pride and I got this and you want to know like what pride is all about like what's the middle letter of pride i what's the middle letter of sin i that's what it's about it's all about me it's not a life of surrender towards god and so what it did was it gave them this false confidence How many of us today are walking around with a false confidence? Right, like all all you're going to have to do is, all it's going to take is you living a little bit of life, a little bit longer, and what you're going to find is that life in itself, if I put confidence in myself, I'm going to fall flat at some point. Have you ever tried surfing before? You ever tried surfing? Like you get an athlete out there. In the water, right? You get them out there, you, you tell them, okay, go out there, and they're just like paddling away or whatever, and they think, like, I've got this. It only takes you a few paddles into a way to realize that you're not that good, right? <laughs> like, you can't do it. Like, you have to fall flat. And so what we're seeing here is there, there is, like, a level of false confidence that will start to shed really quickly. Like, oh, wow, I'm not as great as I thought I was. And so, again, they thought they were great because they were offspring of Abraham. False confidence that's what sin does to us and then the second thing that sin does to us is sin had blinded them to the truth so verse 33 they said we have never been enslaved to anyone it's interesting never anyone never been enslaved to anyone now these are people who are being ruled by the Romans at this point (laughs) we haven't been enslaved to anyone we're not ruled by anyone it's blinded them to the truth physically and spiritually. About this verse, uh, commentator D.A. Carson says, he says, the Jews are convinced they are whole and therefore need no physician. They're convinced they are free and need no liberation. The final sentence of this verse, how can you say that we shall be free, has an ugly, challenging tone to it. Isn't that where our hearts are? Like if somebody were to say today, like, man, like challenge our our personal lives, like, hey, I think you're enslaved to something. I think this sin has control over you. What? That is offensive to me. And so their response was, they're offended. Jesus offends them. Like, hold on. How can you say that we shall be set free? They're coming to Jesus with that tone. Right, we know that tone, don't we? Oh, I've got this. Like, who's this guy? Who, 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 what's he telling me here? I don't have something? Oh, I've got something. And Jesus, what are you going to offer me? Right, that's pride. That's what sin is. The, the third thing that sin does is sin had control of them. Verse 34, I mean, I mean look, look at what it says. It, he who practices sin is a slave to sin. We don't want to think about it like that, but that's what it is. Many times what we think is that we have control over sin. Yeah, I got that thing in my life. You know, I know I struggle, and I've kind of got this thing where I, you know, I'm not very nice to people, and, and when people get me irritated or mad, like I'm driving, I've got this. It's not really road rage. It's just kind of like I'm really upset because I'm, I'm a person, but a justice person, right? Like I want things to be right. I am a justice person. They did something wrong. I want to make sure they know about it. It's not road rage, really. Like we have this control over it, but what we find out is it controls us. There's an addictive nature to sin. Not just for some people; it's for all people. Have you ever felt like you were out of control, like you can't stop? I've got three kids. Uh, my oldest is six. His name's Kai. And we had this conversation this past week. Like, he's been really struggling, right? Like, so during the summer, I think he's just kind of ready for school to start up. But he's been struggling personally. And, and we got to this point where we were talking, and, and he was just not having a great day. Like, just talking back and, and doing different things and being mean to his sisters and all this stuff. And, and he went upstairs, and I was like, son, let's talk real quick. He's just like, I just... I just can't do it. I just can't control it. It just comes out of my mouth. I don't want it to, but it just comes out of me. I said, son, that's the start towards finding freedom. That's the start to understanding. I looked at him. I said, Kai, don't you know that daddy and mommy struggle with the same thing? We have moments where we just, we, we throw up our hand. I can't do it. I said, son, I don't even know if you're going to understand this, but when you realize you can't do it, then you realize that God can do it. He can do it. But that's the start. You have to realize you can't do it. And they were controlled by something that they didn't think they were controlled by. We must understand our present reality. We can't do it. Sin is a powerful force in our life that has the power to enslave us and that's what Jesus tells us. That's our present state. So what's the next step towards freedom? We'll experience the security Experience the security. Look at verses 35 and 36. He says, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Now, what's Jesus talking about here? And so he's going into this visual picture here, right? Like the, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. What is your struggle and my struggle? It's this. It's having a security that, know, that, that we know that we're going to have a place, that we're going to have a home to work through our struggles, to work through our issues, to work through our problems, to work through our present reality, and that somebody isn't going to give up on us. Yeah, I might feel free for a little bit, but, but what if I do this or what if I do that? What if, aren't people going to leave me? Jesus says that uh, many times we feel like slaves more than like sons or daughters. Everyone has a master over their life. And Jesus says, surrender to me as the Lord of your life, and I'll watch over you. I'll bring you into a home where I'm not going to kick you out. I will treat you like a child of mine, not like a slave. Let's be honest about our world. Like, it's all about what you can do for me now, isn't it? Looks, material possessions, work performance. It's all about what can you do for me now. And that type of system, it it can enslave you. What if I'm not performing right now? Is somebody going to kick me out? See, what Jesus says is that the way that the world operates is a slave can't lay their head down at night because they don't know if they're going to have a home tomorrow. They they don't know if they're going to be taken care of. But, But he says the difference is the son remains forever. Like the son doesn't have to worry if... Mom or dad's going to kick them out. There's a difference between a slave and a child. And Jesus says, when you come in, like when, when you're you, you invited in to, to this place, you're going to find that you're going to be at home here. I won't kick you out. See, any master in life other than Jesus, is it's going to destroy us. It will destroy us. It will be either a quick or a slow fade. It always ends up the same. And so what is it that you live for? That's how you know what your master is. That's how you know what's controlling you. Is it work? Is it beauty? Is it family? Is it relationships? What happens when you lose your job? What happens when you get old? What happens when that family member is in a position where you're like, that's not right in their life, and they just go off in the other direction? This isn't how the family was supposed to be. This isn't how life's supposed to be. This isn't how relationships were supposed to be. if we allow anything else to master us, it will in the end become a quick or a slow fade. In 2015, uh, John Ronson wrote this article in the New York Times called How One Stupid Tweet Blew Up Justine Sacco's Life. Uh, Justine Sacco was a PR person, um, pretty big company that she was part of, communications um, at IAC, and um, in this article, and and he also did a TED Talk on it, he he said uh, she was one night traveling um, from New York to South Africa. She was gonna go see her family for the holidays in 2013. And uh, she would tweet these, which she believed were little jokes about the indignities of travel. And on December 20th, Before the final leg of her trip to Cape Town, she tweeted this, going to Africa, hope I don't get AIDS. Just kidding, I'm white. She chuckled to herself as she pressed send, then wandered around Heathrow's International Terminal for about half an hour sporadically checking her phone. She turns off her phone, 11 hours in flight, she slept. When the plane landed, was taxing to the runway, she turned her phone on. Right away she got a text from someone she hadn't spoken to since high school. I'm so sorry to hear what's happening. Sacco looked at it baffled, then another text. You need to call me immediately. It was her best friend, Hannah. Then her phone exploded with more texts and alerts. Then it rang. It was Hannah, you're the number one worldwide trend on Twitter right now. She said, "Sacco's Twitter feed had become a horror show. This girl had her whole life wrapped up in social media. She thought something was funny when it wasn't, and she sent it. The whole world kicked her out. You're done. There is no coming back from that, right? This girl had 170 followers on Twitter. If you're not in Twitter, that's not a lot of followers. Destroyed her life. One stupid tweet. Do you realize, and do I, like you and I, our lives are one stupid tweet away aren't we? Like the security that we once embraced because the world said, oh, that was funny. That was a nice joke or whatever. Like you and I are like one stupid tweet away from that. And do you know that Jesus has enough forgiveness to forgive Justine Sacco? And would have enough forgiveness to treat her like a child of God? not like a person who's trending on Twitter as everybody's just bashing her. Like it's easy to jump in. It's easy to jump into the chorus of that was wrong. How could you? All of those things. It was. One action though. That's the way the world operates. Jesus is saying, you can have a security in me that the, off- the, the world doesn't offer. One action. Ryan Lochte, Anybody? Jesus says, surrender your life, let me protect you. Oh, I got it, Jesus, I can protect my own life. Yeah, just wait. How do we do this? Receive the cost, receive the cost. Verse 37, he says, you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. The only way for God's word to find a place in our hearts it's for Jesus to be placed on a cross. It's for Jesus to be placed on a cross. He says like, He's like, he's like I, I can see it in your eyes right now. You don't like what I'm saying to you. You don't like that I'm saying that there's sin and that you're a slave to it. You don't like that I'm calling you out and saying that, you know what, being a, a child of Abraham is not enough because I want you to become a child of God. It's not enough. And what it's going to take is Jesus being killed for it to be enough. Romans 5.8 says this, but God shows his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Like, The present state of of where they were at is they're standing there, guilty, standing before the Son of God. And they look at Him and they want to kill Him. He says, you know what's going to be the thing that's going to save you? The thing that's going to change your heart is for me to be killed and to be put up on a cross and to die for you. That's what it's going to take. And that's what He did. And it's receiving the cost that changes our lives. It's looking on him and saying, that's what I, I need. I was so far off that I wanted to kill the Son of God. I can't remember what preacher it was, but old story, big question in the, the paper says, who killed Jesus? This famous preacher wrote in, Says there's a debate going on about who killed Jesus, but I want you to know I killed him. It was me. It was you. It was us. It was in our hearts. And it's actually the thing that changed our hearts. Because it's when we killed him and when he ro- rose from the dead and he says, Come to me, that he doesn't kick us out, but he says, Come to me as a child a son, or a daughter. That's freedom. And so some takeaways today really quickly are this. If you're taking notes, the first one is this. Surrender is a process, and God knows that. Surrender is a process, and God knows that. I I wanted to tag on the and God knows that part because I think a lot of the times we think, God, are you just going to give up on me? You know, there's no way that you could still love me through this. I'm really struggling, I haven't been to church in a long time. I haven't talked about you in a long time. Like, there's no way that you could still love me. Yes, he does. He's the one that brought us here. He's the one that pursued us. Elizabeth Elliot said this, One does not surrender a life in an instant. That which is lifelong can only be surrendered in a lifetime. Do you know that I'm not there yet and you're not there yet and we are continually surrendering to God? Day by day, God, teach me what it looks like to surrender to you. It takes time and a lot of frustrating moments along the way to live a life surrendered to God. But the more that you surrender, the more freedom you will experience in your life. You say, I don't have to hold on to that any longer, I don't have to be that person any longer. I can give it over to God you will have moments of feeling like, God, shouldn't I be further along than this? But it's only this beautiful encounter with God where he is showing you, I knew that about you the whole time, and I still love you. I knew that about you the whole time, and I didn't kick you out. I'm not going to treat you like a slave, because that's the thing. God does not dictate us by fear of whether or not we're going to get kicked out. He loves us through the mess, and it actually spurs your love for Christ. It spurs your love for God. How could you love me through all this? You know, it's a lot like the way that my wife loves me. She see, you know, like you guys see me on Sundays and all that, but I got sin in my life too. And that my wife loves me, through the, the parts of my life where I'm irrational, you know, like, or I think I know and I'm prideful, or I'm not sensitive. She loves me through it. See, and God, even more so, does that in a grander level. He knows it all, and yes, he will love you through it. God knows it, surrenders a process. The second is, Jesus gives us a son mentality, not a slave mentality. I want to read this verse. This is from Romans 8:14 through 17. If you For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the Spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the Spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, "Abba, Father." You can call God Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Yes, life is going to be tough. Yes, it's going to be difficult, but God does not see you as a slave who say, He's saying, okay, go do this for me, go do that for me. He says, you're my child. You're more important than that thing that you thought was so important. You don't have to fear whether or not God loves you, accepts you, adores you. When you are in Christ, God looks at you as if you've done everything Jesus has done. Now, this is the mystery of the gospel. This is the difference between every other religion in the world and Christianity. God does not love you based on your performance but based on your belief in the performance of Jesus Christ. That's what separates you from every other religion in the world. When you become a Christian, you say, hold on, God loves me not based on what I've done for him, but based on what he's done for me. All I have to do is believe in him, trust him. Yes. And through that, you're going to experience freedom because as you follow him, as you're directed by him, you're not gonna feel like a slave any longer you're not a child of God you're free you have security in Jesus the third point is this the purpose of truth is to set you free now some of us are reading our Bibles but we're reading it more for knowledge than we are for hearing the voice of God it's in God's voice that you become free And even what Romans 8 says, the Holy Spirit will apply this to your heart and to your life. A couple weeks ago, I was sitting there singing loudly as I was listening to my iPod. My wife says she could hear me in the house. And I'm not a good singer, so I'm sorry. But I'm singing these worship songs. And it's when singing turns into worship, right? Like, it's not, lo- like, I know the words to the song I'm listening to, I like the beat, all that stuff, but it's like when the, the song becomes worship to God, when I start to think about it, I'm like, hold on a second here. His love never fails. Like, hold on, okay, I'm just, just singing these words. like, behold the throne of God. Like, he, he loves me, He cares for me. Like, you're singing these words, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saves a wretch like me. Like all of these things. Like it turns from just music, singing, to worship. And and that's that's what is going to free you in life. It's going to free you from, okay, this is just another Bible reading today and that I have to read and check it off the list. Read to the point where you, and pray and ask God, like help me to read to the point where this the words on this page turn into worship. My God, I can't believe this. This is amazing. The purpose of truth is to set you free, and the way that you're gonna be set free is through worshiping him. Say, Lord, okay, like, help me to understand that this is awesome. The last Point is this, freedom is having the right master. We say, well, I don't want a master. I don't like masters. Again, this is a frame of reference. My son loves karate. He's never taken a class in his life. But you ask him and he's like, yeah, I'm I'm really good at karate. And he was telling people that he, he was going to a dojo up in L.A., like, how do you you're telling people you're going to a dojo in L.A.? But here's the thing. My son will never reach his capacity because he is gifted. Like, he, he, he's got some people to the place where they're like, I believe him. Like, wait, where, what dojo do you take him to? Where is this dojo in L.A.? Like, people have asked us that. He's not telling us the, he's not telling the truth. But here's the thing. If he came under an instructor, he's going to go so much further. He's going to be so much better. If he actually like, was disciplined under the right master or sensei, he is going to be really good. Do you realize that all of it, like, we look in life, you're like, I, I need a coach to get better. I need an instructor, an instructor to learn more. I need to come under the authority of this person to really get to a, a place where I'm, I'm, I'm better better. And what happens is when you come under that instruction, it actually gets to this place where you become free. You don't have to work on the old basics anymore, but you can actually get to this place where you're free. Right, like you're actually moving and you're making decisions and doing things in freedom. And Jesus says, when you put your life under my authority, you're going to find a freedom in me that you never thought possible. Because G- the mastery of Jesus, we start to heal. We start to become whole. We start to become human, not slaves. And so, my encouragement today is, is this you know, are you free? Are you living under God as the authority? Because it sounds backwards, right? Like, okay, God, I got to follow you. I got to be under your authority, and then I'm going to be free. Like, it doesn't sound like freedom to me. Something's over your life right now, and and it's not going to be like if Jesus was in your life. So if you don't know him today, The invitation is available let's pray Jesus I I pray that we find freedom in Christ today who he is and what he's done I thank you Lord for your grace on us and I just pray that today we are just our singing turns to worship our reading of your word turns to hearing your voice and that we are transformed through it all we pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.